I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi's Solicitors. Michael Normanton isn't it. Yes, it is. Tell me something good about the fact that Levi Slister's back is here on this show. Get discounts, can't you? On? Wills. Probate. Conveyancing. And other stuff. Yep. 10% discount on all the other stuff. 15% on Wills Probate Conveyancing. What do they need to do if they want to get that discount? Um, is it still... It is for now. F- the Monday... The, the Monday Club <laughs> code. He's <laughs> great. Which one? It's Monday Club. You're asking me desperately to save you, aren't you? Uh, it's levislisters.co.uk forward slash... Monday Club. Yeah, that's the one. Or quote Monday Club when you contact Levi's. Yeah, 10% off your uh, legal fees on everything else. Got, and it is Monday. It is Monday today, yes. Legal services for you and your business. Uh, Levi'slisters.co.uk forward slash Monday Club. It's Monday because you two are both buzzing off on holiday tomorrow. Must be nice. Mm. Are we yes. uh, looking forward to it, Phil? Are you coming with me, mate? I, I, be- I believe so. All right, yeah. <laughs> Get away from the families <laughs> for a bit. Stick me in the boot, yeah. <laughs> Get on the bucky for a couple of weeks. Uh, which means inevitably that things will no doubt start to happen in your absence in particular, Phil, and not bothered about you. Well, leaving, you, can only, you, you can only hope, can't you? Well, yes. So we are reflecting on the friendly at York, which is in your neck of the woods, Phil, against Monaco. 2-0 defeat. It started off quite brightly, didn't it, from a footballing perspective. I was quite encouraged up to a point, and then we lost, and it made me feel a little tiny bit sad and dented some of the optimism. Then it was Farker's comments in the post-match that had most impact, I suppose. That was the same as Oslo, wasn't it? A little bit more interesting what came post-match and particularly because of, of his candour. He doesn't seem to be disguising much this summer and is speaking pretty openly about what's going on and, and I guess more importantly, what, what isn't going on at the moment. Yeah, I, I suppose to the football, I, I was like you, particularly in the first half, it seemed pretty fluent to me and, and there seemed to be a good level of understanding about what he was asking the players to do, about what the plan was supposed to be. They seemed to have digested it and seemed to be following it. And, you know, to a point, it was working pretty well and, and making them competitive. How much Monaco stretched themselves over those 90 minutes was was quite difficult to tell. But they've, they have they have good players and, and a decent amount of talent in the squad that, that travelled with them. It got more ragged in the second half, which it was, I guess, it was always going to do, and, and particularly after the changes that were made. But I think... I think tactically you can see bits of promise, you can see how it's coming together, but it's impossible to look at Leeds at the moment and not ask questions about certain aspects of the team, personnel um, in particular, and not to find yourself wondering what the squad is actually going to look like at the start of the season, what it's going to look like at the end of the window. And the, the gist of my piece today was 
what to expect from this season. I think it's really difficult to say at the moment, really difficult to predict what we're going to get and really difficult to predict what Leeds are going to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, let's, but we'll get into all that. So let's do the positives because Ampadu looked all right, didn't he? He's the new guy, new guy on the block. Um, he looked like he's going to be quite an important fulcrum in much the same way, I guess, that Calvin Phillips was in that uh, Bielsa side. Well, he looks like he's going to be a midfielder, doesn't he? We spoke to him afterwards and he said, I can you know, play defensively quite happily if I need to, but obviously playing a, a more defensive midfield role as well, which is where he was on Saturday against Monaco, paired up with Archie Gray, who looks like he's developing at a really quick rate. And there's the temptation, I think, with Gray now to start wondering whether he could actually have quite a big impact on this season and whether it might be a, a sort of breakthrough moment for him physically and technically. He looks, he looks fairly close to being ready, I would have said. And he's clearly got masses and masses of talent as well. But yeah, I like Tampa pulling the strings, dropping deep, deeper than Gray more often than not. And some quite interesting stuff with Fark's team tactically as well. The positions they take up, particularly when it comes to receiving passes from deep and, and from the, the goalkeeper who was Melier on Saturday, you're left back invert and Gray quite often drifting out towards the, the wing. You, you can see that there's been a fair amount of work done on that and you can see that it's starting to, to seep in. But yeah, on, on Ampadu specifically, look good on the ball, really competitive and, and combative in that area. I think we all kind of felt that that would be a, a good signing and I think it will prove to be. Yeah, I mean, my big takeaway from it all was that it was just nice to see us passing the ball again after after last year's shit show, basically. Yeah, although, you know, let's maybe save that discussion until we get five, six games into the season and we see how it's how it's clicking. It's the usual usual caveats with pre-season, isn't it? That you're never quite certain what you're looking at. And I think, again, to go back to the piece this morning, that was what I was left feeling was that everybody probably now needs to see signings in the interim, definitely, but everybody probably needs to get to Cardiff on the first weekend of the season to give yourself a proper feel for how this is all shaping up because at the moment it's it's, it's tricky to be sure. My other takeaway from it as well is that we looked pretty toothless up front and I know that pre-season as we said you, you can't read too much into it positively or negatively because Bielsa's pre-seasons famously never looked great did they but we still look like we don't have a cutting edge somewhere up towards the front end of the park and I guess that brings us into signings doesn't it we need look like we need a number 10 and a number 9. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There's, the thing is, that there's definite talent in this team and there's definite talent in the squad. And you particularly lean towards people like Ampadu and Sinistera and Nonto when, when you're thinking about that. But I do still find myself asking, who is going to be his team Upuki in this team? Who is going to score him 20 plus goals? And and I'm not looking at either Ruta through the middle or Patrick Bamford through the middle and thinking that you've got a dead set there for, for 20 plus in, in the season to come. And I would also say, and I think you're right here, that while they're well served out wide with options, and they definitely are, I'm not sure that there is somebody who is perfectly suited to that central creative role. And they are going to need creativity through the middle. I think you'll get plenty out wide if people like Sinistera and, and Nonto stay. But who's going to be the 10? Uh, so those, to me, feel like two really, really priority positions. And I think up front, particularly now that Rodrigo's gone, having scored so many of the goals last season, you do have to think seriously about about who is going to be prolific and, and who is going to deliver for you in that area because it's quite hard to and actually, you know, Bielsa was able to do this with Leeds, but it's quite hard to get out of the championship if you don't have somebody who is banging them in constantly. What do you make of the comments afterwards, Farkas' comments on Max Verber and the loan situation in general, the transfer situation as he put it? Have we got the clip? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't remember the exact words. Oh, but okay. yeah. Uh, 
Um, he seems he seems as frustrated as as everyone else, doesn't he? By this this whole situation of all the players leaving and no money coming in. Yeah, I think as well. Obviously, we've had Ampadu coming from Chelsea in the in the interim, but the, the comments were not so unlike what he was saying after the, the game against Manchester United in Oslo. I think Fark is pretty pragmatic about how things are and, and how they were going to be. I think he knew it was probably going to be like this when he, he took the job. But Werber seems to me to be the first real kick in the teeth in terms of departures from Leeds. I think the other players who have gone, and there is clearly this issue about the loans, and I think at some point the club are going to have to explain you know on on the record about how this is working and and what the upside is I, I think you can guess at some of it you know the, the removal of wages off the wage bill because almost all of these deals involve full salary recovery where the clubs who are taking the players play their pay their wages in full for the season ahead but evidently very little in the way of fees coming in so there may be ways in which this is helping with FFP but at the same time, I understand why people on the outside are looking at it and confused about the fact that it is loan after loan after loan and, and Verber being the latest. There are others that Leeds would just not have opposed at all, but Verber was definitely a player they wanted to keep. And you, I think you could sense the tone of that in Farkas' comments afterwards that that was a disappointment for him and, and it was a was a blow. He was somebody that they'd have liked to have built a, a defence around he was somebody who seemed to be giving them, from what I'm told anyway, the, the indication that he would stay and or was happy to stay and, and and to stick it out in the championship. But there is this offer from Borussia Mönchengladbach. It looks like he's going to go for the season. Last time I asked, this hadn't been agreed, but there were discussions about a permanent option too. And, and this is where you start to move into the challenge of, on the one hand, you need to move players out and some players have to go. On the other hand, there are players who you would much rather retain but your ability to retain them is compromised by the fact that you're now a championship club rather than a Premier League club. And I think this is why you have to be cautious about still seeing Adams and Harrison and Nonto and Sinistera and others in the building and assuming that that will still be the case at the you know the end of August. Being objective about it, you can understand the lure of going to one of the top five leagues, presumably getting paid more than you would in the championship, playing fewer games, whatever you know, whatever it might be. But on the other hand, the Leeds United fan in me says well, you, you turncoat bastard. Uh, don't you fancy it? Have you, what, have you had a couple have you had a couple of weeks running running around under Farker and you don't like it anymore? And it feels as well like there's a responsibility on the players to say, well, you did this. So how about you try and fix it? Which yeah. I know isn't how football works. Yeah. But yeah, as a as a fan, that is the way that is the way you obviously see it. Yeah. I did also enjoy the suggestion this morning from someone on Twitter that Victor Arthur should go to prison for these <laughs> um, for arranging these deals in this way. Which I thought was a little bit harsh, but you know. <laughs> Did, did you not say that there was one point where somebody, some um, sporting director somewhere had been described as the equivalent of a war criminal that, or something? That, that, was, um, that was Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. I th- was I think, described as a war criminal? Yeah. I think they'd lost to Everton in the last minute or something and someone, someone on a- <laughs> AFTV said he was a war criminal. Well, if the cap fits. But <laughs> yeah, I think with Ferber as well, he's been in the door for all of, six months he was let's let's be fair he was one of the better defenders last season he, he definitely was and, and I'd have been happy to see him stay but it's not as if this has been a long period of service from him and now he's moving on to, to bigger or better things he's, he's going quickly so I don't expect anybody to be wildly tolerant of that and that we'll watch with interest to see whether we get a classic Instagram farewell statement because I don't know what it would say especially <laughs> You want to be hypercritical, you could say there is a fair amount of failing upwards going on, isn't there? I think with the Verba deal, just to go back to uh, Victor Alter and his impending prison sentence, 
the, de- the fact that deal was done in January when relegation was... He's a- fled the country, Michael. Well, that's very good. Absolutely bloody run away, hasn't like, like the 80s, run, yeah, off to the, run off to the south of Spain. The Costas, yeah. Costa del well, I, won't be, I won't be far off, uh, far away from Seville <laughs> next week, so shall I bring him back? I want you to escort him back, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Citizens arrest. But yeah, I mean, that deal was done in January when it looked like we may well be getting relegated. So to have put this in there at that point, it does feel more so than the summer deals when Red Rosani was saying there's no chance of us going down. Completely incompetent that that has been put in his deal. Well, these are the questions for, for the club, really, aren't they? And I think at some point, there hasn't been much in the way of media done by 49ers Enterprises since they, they took over. And there are lots of things to ask about, you know, even away from what's going on here and now, th- things regarding the ownership structure and who's involved, the, the wider 49ers group, Ellen Road, what's the situation there? Is that moving in, in its entirety into, you know, under the umbrella of, of 49ers Enterprises, which was the indication we were given prior to the takeover going through? But I, I'm obviously digressing there slightly. I totally understand that in the Premier League, lots of players, potentially most of them, will have relegation clauses of, of some sort. I think the difficulty as well with a lot of these players, but people were saying, mentioned to me earlier about you know, Madison going from Leicester and Harvey Barnes going from Leicester. These are players who whose value has clearly appreciated irrespective of what's been going on at, at Leicester. I don't actually think for what it's worth that many of these players who are going from Leeds, the club would be able to make a profit on at all because they, they haven't performed. It's been a really, really poor season. I think they're suffering in the way that Premier League clubs tend to suffer when they go down. But there are definite questions to ask about the, the loan situation. And there's also the scenario as well, of FIFA allowing a maximum of, of seven players to leave internationally on loan. You can still send players domestically from what I understand, but that's them up to up to six now, if my maths are correct, with Verba. And I think they're now at the point where, give or take a, a few exceptions, anybody who leaves, or anybody of kind of high repute who leaves, is going to be a player that they don't want to go. Can, you know, we have, can we have a, a Hunger Games-style fight to the death for the remaining place to go out on loan? I know Junior Furpo is not going to survive that for a start. Shall we, we do it at York Community Stadium? Yeah. <laughs> it's too yeah. civilised in York, yeah. Phil. We'll have to do it in Bradford or something like that. But, but all, I mean, all, all joking aside, the squad does need to co- start coming together pretty rapidly. There needs to be some certainty about what's happening. And, and I don't know whether it's really possible to provide that because who... Who's to say that Sinistera doesn't start the season really well and offers start coming in? Who's to say that people don't start getting very serious about trying to to buy Willie Non to it's it, it's difficult at the moment. And I think that is why when it comes to trying to second guess this season and how Leeds are gonna do, it feels difficult to to give a certain answer about that. Well, what's your honest take on it though? Because you know, we've we've heard that the uh, 49ers are happy, happy to have the word aggressive bandied around in terms of their supposed approach to be it the transfer market, the wage bill, whatever it might be this year. It feels now like we're a little bit hamstrung by this because they don't quite know exactly what's going to happen. Farker's talking about put it all pushing towards the end of the window. It feels a little bit like we're kind of in stasis at the minute, doesn't it? And it needs things to to keep moving. You know, are, are we are we just are we not recruiting because we're fearful of of not being able to sell people or where are we? Because we've just had Ampadu and then there's kind of nothing else. Yeah, but this all comes back to the, the summer being concertinaed up and more than anything by the time it's taken to, to do the takeover. And I, I hate to say this because it's not the way any of us on the outside tend to think, but it probably is going to need the closure of the transfer window to have some proper clarity and, and the ability to look at what's happened and to say, has this window gone well or has it gone not? Has it gone badly? I, I think at this point, 
you can only say that they need additions to the squad. They absolutely do. And I don't think the squad as it is, is positioned well enough to, I, I think it's just exposed, isn't it? In certain areas. And you, you bear in mind that the championship is a longer season, uh, more intense season in the Premier League in terms of the number of fixtures you, you have to play. And also, if you're going for promotion, you tend to run right to the very end of the season. You know, there are scenarios in the Premier League, as was the case with Bielsa's first season, where you're kind of safe by March, April time. And I know he cracked the whip, you know, regardless, right to the very end. But there are games that have nothing riding on them, you know, dead rubbers. Whereas from our experience, as we know, in the Championship, when you're in the mix of the playoffs or, or trying to get promoted, it never stops. And you need a squad that is durable enough and big enough to, to see you through it. And I don't think they're there at the moment. I don't think anybody would, would pretend that they are. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What's your opinion on the loan situation then? Your personal opinion on it? Does Victor Arthur deserve to be in jail? <laughs> yes, let's not let's not go down the prison route um, quite yet. I, I think in in certain instances, loans out of Eleanor are not a bad thing. So Urenti to Roma, for example, is a player who you might not be able to cash in on to any great extent. It but takes that's what, but that's what the new contract was for, Phil, to maintain well, his that, value in the market. What, that's what was said, but it doesn't change the fact that you still need people out there who actually want to pay money for him, regardless of whether you think they might. You need someone out there who's who's going to do the deal and. Likewise with with Aronson. If Aronson doesn't go to Union Berlin would, um, on loan, do Union Berlin sign him permanently um, and offer the money that's needed to do that? Possibly not. But it's very hard for me to to explain this because it's not it's not my decision, not my decisions. But I look at the amount of money that's coming back in via transfer fees, and it's so minimal that it it does really shine a, a light on you know how badly the recruitment has gone over the past couple of years. Do you see a way back for any of these players? Because it feels to me like. We've probably seen the last of all of them. Maybe Aronson, because he's with, very young. With great difficulty, and I agree with you that Aronson is probably the exception. I'm not entirely... Unless Verba paints a different picture of why he's going and how he's going, I, I find it impossible to imagine him returning and, and everybody, you know, supporters welcoming him back with, with open arms. I think in other cases as well, like Christensen did not look demonstrably good enough for the Premier League last season, So you, which would beg the question of, if you got promoted, would you want him back for the Premier League next season or would you rather have somebody else at, at right-back? I think a, a new right-back is probably the answer to that. Aronson, 
looks to me, I mean, Robin Koch obviously is coming to the end of his deal. He will go. Uh, someone will sign him for free once the season is up, you would think. Aronson is probably the one who could have a very good season at Union Berlin, could develop to the point where you thought, actually, there's still an asset there. We could have him back. He would he would be useful. But I don't know about you, it, it feels a little bit to me like these players are going and quite unlikely to be seen in Leeds again. I think there is a, a football fan sentiment that surrounds this, which is, I never want to see you lot bunch of losers again. <laughs> is the honest truth, isn't it? Just returning to like the 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 thing about all the loans and what I was getting at is that there are there are actually there are two considerations, aren't there? And this is why we could do with some clarity from the club. Whether we'll get it or not is a different question, but there is a there is the cash position and there's also the profit and sustainability or FFP, whichever way you want to phrase it, financial fair play imperative, isn't there? So we need to know because maybe the, the club is not short of cash because maybe there's been new investment by the 49ers or maybe it is and they need some cash in in order to spend again. What is the FFP position? How do loans affect it? They all centre around the same issue, but there are different questions that uh, that flow from it. And it's incredibly complicated as well. There's very rarely a, a simple answer to any of it, but there are advantages for clubs of simply removing very high wages by championship standards off the wage bill and, and no longer having to to pay them. Clearly, there are big advantages too if you can get sizable transfer fees in, which Leicester, is, for an example, have done with Harvey Barnes and, and James Madison, although there are FFP constraints there. People might have seen that they'd signed a, a young defender from Manchester City on loan. The, the plan there initially or the intention was for it to be permanent but that again is is to allow them to to fit within FFP regulations and limits or to or to lower the risk of them breaching it it, it is complicated and, and once you start getting into the discussion about what can be excluded from those costs and what actually um what actually counts towards your FFP limit it does get pretty complex but you're right an explanation on that front i think would be very helpful to give people a clear idea of of what's going going on at the moment. You know, how many of these loans have been enforced and, and done even though Leeds would have liked to have done something different? How many of them actually work for the club and are kind of strategic, you know, suit them financially because it does get rid of salaries and, and everything else? How many of the players did they even want to keep at the outset? And I do genuinely feel at the moment like Berber is the one so far that will be disappointing fuck, the one that, that he will really have thought to himself, I could keep him and he could be very useful for me. I think I think Verba would have been good in the championship personally. Tells a story, doesn't it, that the Leicester players are both players that have been sold to where the money is, which is the Premier League, for big fees because they're desirable in that regard. Whereas yeah. ours are all sodding off to Germany on loan and other places. That it, it tells a story about the difference in what's happened there, doesn't it, about the assets that we're getting rid of. To this point, I mean, let's not pretend that every player at Leicester has been a success or that they don't have assets, if you want to call them that, that might be far more difficult to move on. And I think what Leeds don't want to get into is the scenario where the players who are worth genuine or big money are actually going because they want to keep them. You know, the people like Nonto and Adams and, and Harrison. But of course, that was the other aspect of Saturday as well, was just a much firmer time frame or, or you know, the first time Parker's really commented on, on what's happening with Adams and, and Harrison and saying that, you know, both could be out beyond the season's first international break, which, OK, is only a handful of fixtures, but it still means that some of the key players that you want to retain or that the club want to retain, they're not even going to be there to use initially. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a, a difficult situation. I think a pretty demanding one for Farker. A name that's not cropped up yet is Melier. 
I think everyone expected him to leave. I think 18 months, two years ago, he'd have been very easy to sell. But it doesn't seem like there's an awful lot of noise around him at the moment. Is there a possibility he just stays and plays? Is it is a really good question. Um, they uh, well again as of the last time of asking, they hadn't had any offers for him, um, and he played um, at York on on Saturday. But we know, and it's not a secret, that Leeds have been in the market for a new goalkeeper, which. You know, again, begs the question of whether that's going to be one that develops late in the window. And I think Dan and I were talking about this last week and saying that one of the situations they can't afford is that they find themselves selling Melier late on, having given him another goal as first choice. You know, they really, really need to know, you know, what's happening there, what who's going to knuckle down, who is going to be number one through the season. But yeah, I mean, that that is the scenario with Melier, that in the absence of any concrete offers, what do they do? It'd be good from a, an FFP point of view with Melier as well because he was relatively cheap, wasn't he? And presumably most of that, if not all, has been paid off now. So you're all uh, you're banking it all um, for FFP purposes. I was just going to say, actually, that the Leicester thing is not as straightforward as well as them pulling in a load of money for Madison and Barnes in that it was The Athletic actually reported on this. They took a, another loan out from the Australian bank Macquarie for Premier League against secured against Premier League revenues for the 24-25 season and they're not even in it obviously this season so they are by no means in a good place financially are they they need to repay those loans and there's no guarantee of Premier League football for the seasons that they, they've borrowed against so you know if if Leeds are running a tight ship not putting themselves at risk you can't I guess you can't fault that can you well you, you ask yourself the question how do you come down from the Premier League without some of these problems they're inevitable, aren't they? You, you can't get away from them. Um, Premier League finances, even though there's so much money coming in, we say this all the time, everybody just seems to spend every single penny that they've got and more. And it's not so different in the championship either. And FFP doesn't allow for massive losses in the championship. You you've, you do have to run a fairly tight ship if you don't want things to, to get out of hand. So it's not a surprise that this has been a tricky summer for Leeds. I just think that you would hope that there would be a plan that gets them out of it on the other side in a kind of competitive and, and you know, in in a way which means that they can properly compete next season. But Farker keeps saying himself, no guarantee in the short term that this is just going to catch fire and, you know, ignite and, and go perfectly. I think he realises that um, that he's going to have to work at this. He did lay that challenge out though, didn't he? He said that we need work all over the pitch in terms of recruitment and he expects things to move till, till late in the window. So the messaging from him at least has been very, very clear. We still have things to do and things yeah. will happen. I think the most interesting press conference with him is going to be pre-match before Cardiff, which I assume will be on the Friday with um, Cardiff being on the Sunday. And to get kind of verdict from him of where they are now that the games actually count and that the games actually matter. And also, you know, with it being at the end of the first week in August, yeah. given that you've got about three weeks left before the window closes, you know, so so time starts to, to tick on at that point. And I think that's probably where you'll get the best impression about how confident he feels. I mean, I asked him on Saturday, are you in a position where you can be optimistic about the season? And he sort of said yes or no. He said, I wouldn't have signed the contract if I hadn't been optimistic, but I'm a realist and I feel like I need to be open and honest with people. I need to tell people the way I see it. So I think what he's saying is this season could go well, but for anybody to shout the odds now, would be risky and, and would be stupid. I mean, I was looking at the, the odds before kickoff on Saturday and, and almost every bookie has leads down as second favourites to to win the title. But I just feel like that's a stab in the dark at the moment because I'm not really sure what you're basing that on apart from the fact, in the same way as Leicester are favourites to the title, that it's a relegated club who should have a decent chance if everything's in order. That said, bookies are really wrong. 
I'd be looking at the relegation odds. No, we won't go. <laughs> I, I, I feel like the squad as it stands is a perfectly acceptable, if imbalanced, championship squad and we'd probably finish somewhere around the fringes of the playoffs with it. But that's not really good enough. Well, got just to go back to the point that I, I opened the show on then, which was the negative reaction to Farker's comments. Are Leeds fans right to be worried or to have some worries about the current state of play, given that we are in this this uh, sort of situation of flux at the minute, Phil, and we still have a lot of work to do? Or are we being reactive football fans again? I kind of have, I have an understanding of it totally, although I am still trying to remain optimistic about the new season. Well, I think Michael's right in that I, I don't in any way look at this squad and think, oh, they're going to be in, in trouble next season. But you remember as well as I do. That Is it impossible for us to go down, Phil? Uh, hmm. No, never say never in any circumstances usually the best way to go um, particularly in pre-season interviews I remember as you will the run of perennial 15th place finishes which became a, a standing joke and it just isn't good enough for this club isn't it it doesn't in any way satisfy the fan base I think people will be fairly realistic about uh, if someone said to you we're going to win the, the title by 10 points on what would that be based at the moment? And it wouldn't be a particularly credible prediction. But I do think, as Michael said, you know, around the playoffs, in the playoffs, you know, in, in the mix is, is not asking too much, but it's going to take work from here. So, yes, like the two weeks to go before the start of the season. And I think if you if your manager is saying to people quite openly, it's not perfect at this stage, we've got a lot to do, things need to happen, then you're entitled to sit back and say, well, I agree. You know, I think um, I think things do need to happen. And there always comes a pressure point in the summer where, you know, what's promised or what's been spoken about actually needs to, to be delivered. And we're, we're not far off that now. Have we got any more behind closed doors friendlies in between times? Because obviously we've got hearts on, on Sunday when you're away, Phil, and missing your, your fixture of a lifetime. There's also the Nottingham Forest friendly as well. Um, I'm not aware of any others, and it's quite it's quite unusual to um, to play an extra game in the build up to the first game of the season itself. I would have thought that Farker will want um, will want a clear run of training sessions um, before Cardiff, but we didn't actually get on to talking about that on on Saturday. There was so much else to discuss. Yep. Um, so you're going to be away now until basically season starts, which uh, feels like a calculated move on your part. I blame the school holidays entirely. Our youngest, for some reason, is in Monday, Tuesday this week, which has meant a later departure. So I'm I'm very sorry, but at the same time, quite pleased to be getting away from it all. And I will be watching from afar with great interest. <laughs> and Michael as well, you're going away so again, right up until the start of the season. It's the only time you can do it, though. Yeah. Can't, can't miss the season, yeah. can I? No. What want to miss Cardiff. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so what it does mean is this show there with Phil, we will resume this before the season. I know we, we've spoken loosely about maybe hopping on on, um, on the morning of the Cardiff game, maybe to do a maybe yeah, could could live, live stream a preview, yes. something like that, if you fancy it. Yeah. Uh, done. At which point they'll have signed everybody, the world will be happy. Yeah, all good. The world will be happy. Let's hope. So we'll enjoy both of your holidays and uh, we'll Thank see you. you on the other side. So yeah, look out for no show with Phil Hay towards the back end of, uh, of this week or next Monday but yeah we'll be back ahead of uh, of the Cardiff game to bring you a preview season previews the, the previews are going to live with the show uh, live with Phil on his show here on the Square Ball feed which you can find on YouTube and in your podcast app wraps it up for today then we'll see you soon the Square Ball Podcast small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project 
there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.